The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Font here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins Hackett Financial Advisors out of Florida. We look at the markets. We look at the higher numbers. Uh, green on the screen today, but maybe don't take that all the way to the bank, Sean, because we do have that quarterly report coming out tomorrow. Yeah, one has to be very suspicious of trading the day before a major report. There's a lot of position squaring, a lot of you know uh, activity that will take place to. For people try to do to, to get themselves more in alignment with whatever may happen because sometimes this coral grain stocks report here in, um, in September can be a big mover. We've seen some big, big moves over over the years on this particular report. So hard to say there's much to do today other than, you know, the market having been so bearish, there's some shorts covering just, just in case we get some kind of a bullish reaction tomorrow, I guess. It, it just said some of the early talk was that maybe it was going to be, the guess was at 2 billion bushels of corn. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's the general, uh, when you look at the uh, the average analyst estimates, I think that's the number I saw as well, about 2 billion. Um, it's going to be a lot, I don't know what the number is, but more importantly, what is important is given that we are, that we have been drawing down our stocks or expected to, you know, that if it's, uh, you know, comes in 100, 150 million bushels, Lower than that, you know, we start moving ourselves, you know, back into snug territory that we wouldn't want to have any weather problems in South America. Um, so, so the, the coin market is pretty sensitive because it really is at a point where the demand is so strong, we really wouldn't want to bring down numbers too much ahead of the South American growing season. So, so I think we have a different story. I think we got a lot more leeway there that we can be off by, you know, quite a bit and, and, and still not change the, the bear supply picture for right now, you know. And it looks like soybeans as well are pretty much within the trade estimates. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't really, it's hard for me to, to, to think why the numbers would be too far off from what the analysts are expecting, just because, um, you know, the demand side factors I think are pretty well known. I don't think there's too much question about last year's crop. I mean, you know, sometimes USDA finds something or loses something that they didn't expect, but I'm I'm not sure, you know, that we're going to get too much of a surprise, but, you know, but that's what makes it always intriguing sometimes when you don't think it's going to happen, happens. And a lot of times people question how the USDA comes up with these numbers, and so we never really know exactly how they're going to wake up on the on the, on the side of the bed that morning. So. Right. The proof, the, the proof will be in the pudding come tomorrow when those numbers are released. <laughs> it always is. It always is. Well, it always is. There has been a lot of uh, weather talk. I know you guys have been dealing with some weather. Get into the month of October, things will be easier for our producers to the south. Up here in the north, we're we're dealing with some what looks like to be a wetter harvest forecast moving in over the next five to ten days. Yeah, next couple of weeks uh, for sure. You know, it looks like we're having a lot of heavy rains uh, moving in. That's going to really, you know, slow things down. Um, you know, potentially uh, in some areas when they're looking at, you know, inches of five or, or eight inches of rain could, could cause some quality problems. And, and obviously what the farmer doesn't want to hear is, you know, if he has to, if he has to harvest the very wet corn and he has to dry it down, means he has to spend more money at a time when the price is already not covering his expenses. So that's, you know, none of that's good news for the northern belt uh, farmer, unfortunately. So 
You, you talked a little bit about South America. I know they're into their early plantings, but they've been doing some purchases of beans coming out of the U.S. Well, we know. We, I mean, we, we know for for a fact Argentina was very very short, and you know we know that they've been buying some soybeans from the Brazilians, but the Brazilians kind of got cleared out. You know, the Chinese have cleaned them out as we'd expect them to do, and and you know until fresh supplies come in uh, from the new. Uh, crop season, which won't be for a while, there's a shortage um, in um, in Argentina, especially from the fact that a lot of the supplies are being held back because of the currency prices there. So they're definitely in the market to buy soybeans. Our beans are very attractive, and, uh, and we, we think that's going to be one bright spot that you know is going to be a, a, a put a bit under the market here and provide some some you know some optimism that you know maybe we can have a two sided trade here in soybeans than the crash and burn that many analysts have been projecting uh, for quite some time now. Uh, it, it may not be as much of a bloodbath as some are suggesting if we can get good demand out of South America to kind of uh, ease that burden a little bit. We've heard too, Sean, that there's there's a lot of producers that are doing a lot of bouncing back and forth between the corn and the soybeans this harvest season versus focusing just on one entity because of the weather concerns that are out there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, I think you have to look at, you know, your local weather forecast and try to figure out, you know, what's most important to get out first and, and, and you know, pick and choose your spots. I mean, we know they can harvest things very quickly, but we also know that, you know, at certain times, certain crops are more vulnerable to wetness than others. So I do think farmers are doing what they uh, should always do, especially in the age of of technology and, and, and information flow that we have today that we may not have had 15, 20 years ago is there they're able to make quicker uh, decisions on a micromanaging about what's best to do so they maximize their effort. How long do you think the weather premium will stay in the market? Uh, as long as the weather remains wet. Um, you know, right now, uh, there's our, you know, the weather models we look at and some of the people we talk to you know, kind of suggest you know, this wet pattern could be with us uh, into a lot of part of October before it may break and we have a more normal, drier, more form, you know, more uh, uh, normal harvest season in November. So this premium probably could stay in place for the next uh, couple of weeks so long as that weather pattern does, in fact, you know, shift back to normal. Um, obviously, like I said, in 2009, when we had rain that persisted through all of October and all of November, you know, the market never really gave that weather premium back. It held it all the way into the end of the year. But we were near a wet November to do that. Right now, it does not look like this weather will go beyond. Stick around, folks. More of the Fontenelle Final Bell comes up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joining us, the Hackett Financial Advisors. Let's talk, uh, South America has been and getting ready to have elections coming up, but the Real has seen some definite lower numbers. As you look at that and compare it to our grain market, what is this all going to mean for our producers, Sean? Well, we know when the Real is weakening against the dollar, it makes the price in South America more attractive, um, and it... And it makes the South American producer more competitive in the export market. And we've been dealing with that you know, all year long, and it's been a, kind of a, a headwind that we just had on our sites for quite some time. But we are moving into a very uh, important election here in Brazil 
The first round is October 7th. The second round would be uh, two weeks later to elect a new uh, president. And many times, currencies will weaken into an election and then take off on optimism that whoever gets in is going to solve all their problems. In fact, the last time we had a Brazilian currency crisis and an emerging currency crisis like this in 2002, it was exactly in the month of October that the real bottomed and started to rally against the U.S. dollar. In many grain markets, that year printed lows that to this day have not been tested again. So it's an important fundamental, not the only fundamental, but we think if the real can in fact uh, turn up and get into a more bullish trend, it'll be um, very, very uh, good for grain farmers and give them a, a, head, a tailwind that they haven't had for a while and make things a little less easier to sell crops and, and maybe hurt the producers down there in terms of what their economics are looking like. Well, and they've got the pressure, too, of the beans as China can, continues to knock on their doors wanting to purchase beans from them versus the United States. Yeah, they do. And, you know, and so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know what came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, they want to sell a bunch of stuff, but at the same time, um, you know, they also have to look at what the long-term demand is going to be. Because let's say China comes in and like they've been doing and they buy all the Brazilian beans. Well, what happens if all of a sudden in a couple of months we have a trade deal with China and China goes back to buying a bunch from us and they've gone and planted a bunch of soybeans that now they can't sell? They've got to be very careful by not overplaying this short-term distortion uh, you know, that we have right now. So it's a really, really uh, delicate, complicated game that, uh, that they're trying to figure out down there about what to do. Switch gears on the livestock, as we always do, Sean, having him on the program with us. We talk happenings of the dairy industry. We know there's been some continued ups and downs. As you look at the dairy right now, what are we seeing for these producers? Well, I mean, whenever prices get low and, 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 and you know, we go, we go through the cycle in dairy, you know, quite often, you know, it is the beginning of a process of slowing down U.S. milk production, and it usually will have a bullish impact the year you know, the, the year after, in 2019. So although it's not an immediate solution to the low prices that we currently have, and of course, we can't seem to solve NAFTA. We keep putting it off and putting it off, and that would have been a, you know, a big help to the U.S. dairy farmers to get NAFTA kind of situated and get some demand, extra demand coming in, but it just seems like it just, it's a product that you just can't get your hands on, and unfortunately, there's no clear clear idea of when that might happen. So there is optimism um, intermediate term, but, but unfortunately, unless there's a, a surprise NAFTA agreement, I think the next you know three months to six months can still be pretty difficult and challenging given that we're moving into the, uh, the lower demand part of the season and the part of the season when prices typically you know, trend downward for the U.S. price. Looking at the feeder cattle market, we saw some triple-digit losses earlier. They kind of were able to give back some of it. What are you seeing with this market? Well, I, I mean, I think the, the cattle market and, and, and the hog market, you know, and we talked about this last time, you know, continue to be very confused about what it is that's really going on in global meat protein markets. We have the, the continued escalation of African swine fever. We think we have an idea that that's going to mean a lot of demand coming in at some point. And I, I, I want to emphasize, at some point, um, the, the nearby point is that we have a lot of supply. Um, so, this, so the market continues, especially the hog market, continues to gyrate on days when they're optimistic that all this demand is going to come in. 
uh, and then they go ahead and look at all the supply reports from the U.S. DA, and, and they see these mountain supplies coming in, and they get they get all fearful that they've built the market too early. So it's, it's it's a very confusing situation. Ultimately, we're bullish for livestock markets, uh, but it's not going to be uh, uh, it's not going to be for the uh, the week of heart. It's going to be kind of a roller coaster ride until we get tangible evidence that the Chinese are in fact you know moving demand in the direction. Um, outside the country based upon African swine fever, which at this point we haven't quite seen yet, but you know, we're hopeful it will come. Sounds good, Sean. Lots of great information for our producers. What's the best way for them to reach out to you guys? Uh, best web- the best thing to do is go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, and we have some great information on our services and how we can help. Well, thanks so much, Sean. Sean Hackett joining us, Hackett Financial Services. That is the Fontenelle final bell for this Thursday. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the Fontenelle dealers for the support of the program. It'll be podcast later this afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.